Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Yakuza. Yakuza. Yakuza Kick Radio. 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 This is the bulldozer, Matt Tremont. And if there's one place to listen to on the internet every Thursday, 9 p.m., Yakuza Kick Radio, Tremont says so. Who wants some? God help us, Jesus! God and baby, Jesus! Help us. Ladies and gentlemen of fucking America, this is Danny Havoc, and you have been listening to, or possibly are intending to listen to, the Yakuza Kick fucking radio. Fucking, yeah, Yakuza Kick radio. Hell fucking yeah! My name is Justice Payne, and you are listening to Yakuza Kick radio. You're coming to come on Thursday night, this is a brotherhood, and we all stick together. Like my nuts. I ain't scared of you, motherfucker. Yakuza Kick Radio, the best in internet wrestling radio, period, bar none, just like Adam Cole. Everybody's a cunt but me in the world. I don't know what it is. But you go to the back, and you tell your boss that there's a new Yakuza in town. And it's Yakuza Kick Radio, and we're taking over. Yakuza Kick Radio has risen from the ashes of bad internet radio and become the premier place for any independent professional wrestler to stop and record their voice. Well, this is Mr. Insanity, Toby Fine, and if you're not listening to Yakuza Kick Radio, then you're weird. Oh, I don't like the cut of your gym, fella. This is Greg Excellent, Spirited Dragon of the Northeast. You're listening to Yakuza Kick Radio. If you're not, probably watching porn, you have this muted. You should be listening to it. Jason Mann. Where are Biggie and Tupac? Yakuza Kick Radio. Give a nigga rope on that cowboy, guys. All you have to do is listen to Yakuza Kick Radio, but you couldn't. Now look at that guy, you homie. Fuck that. Black dude. Bullshit, man. Motherfucker. Fuck you. Fuck you and fuck you. Who's next? And now, ladies and gentlemen, for the introduction. Hosted by J. Cat Morris. You are now listening to Yakuza Kick Radio. It is Wednesday, December 9th, 2015. Welcome to Yakuza Kick Radio. I'm your host, Jay Cat Morris. Man, I got a good show for you guys tonight. Um, you know, a bunch of different things to talk about. Most importantly, I, tonight I got EYFBO on the show, you know, one at a time. And I do believe I have my first guest on right now, one half of EYFBO, the funky monkey, Angel Ortiz. Hey, what's up? Hey, what's going on, man? All right. Just a little tired, just waking up, about to go to work. Cool, cool. Um, so, yeah, man, you guys are absolutely killing it on the indies. I wanted to have you guys on and, um, you know, talk about, you know, your career and everything up to this point. 
Um, what were your earliest memories of wrestling as a kid? Uh, earliest memories? Uh, of course, uh, The Undertaker, I would have to say, is like my earliest memory. I remember being like five or six years old and just remembering the purple glove for some reason. That's like uh, my earliest side of wrestling. And for me, what really made me want to do it, like really got me into it and uh, made me want to wrestle myself was like early Ring of Honor, uh, uh, Toy Mon, watching like uh, Japanese wrestling videos and stuff like that. And uh, yeah. Okay. So, I mean, what year did you actually break in and decide you were going to go do wrestling? Uh, let me see. I would have to say about 2008. Um, yeah, about 2008 was when, uh, when it hit for me. Uh, one of my boys, um, he, he's not in the business anymore. Um, he was just like, yo, I found this uh, wrestling school in, uh, Long Island, which is, uh, FTW, uh, Earl Cooter runs it, uh, Fight the World Wrestling. And, uh, yeah, yeah. He was just like, yo, um. Uh, this is wrestling school. Do you want to go try it out with me? And I was like, yeah. And I never looked back, honestly. Yeah. Um, was was training what you expected or, you know, was it different than what you thought you were getting into? Because, you know, I mean, there's a lot to it that you don't know until you do it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, it, it was kind of what I expected. Um, uh, it it was a little laid back. I mean, it was cool. It was hard at times just getting used to bumps and stuff like that. Um, but, uh, it was pretty much in the wheelhouse of what I expected. I mean, I, 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 uh, I used to watch like everything I could get my hands on, on, like as far as training, like I remember watching that, uh, oh man, I forget the, uh, I think it's XPW, XWA, the John Cena training video, stuff like that. So, like, yeah. uh, I remember watching that, yeah, and I was just like, all right, this is what wrestling school is about, and kind of that's what I uh, expected going in. It's kind of felt in the warehouse of what I expected. Okay. Um, see, you know, I keep getting mind-fucked by this, too, because I first heard about you from um, Joel Maximo, and then you're yeah. Angel Ortiz, so, so I always want to call you Joel Ortiz, because <laughs> you know, Joel Ortiz. And then I did yeah. make that association because I first heard about you from Joel Maximo. But how'd you get yeah. hooked up with, with the Maximos and, you know, start working with those guys? All right. So um, pretty much, yeah, like I said, I started at FTW. I was wrestling there. Um, and uh, uh, I had kind of, like, started transitioning from there and, like, working more shows. So I was, like, specifically there. And then I started working at uh, – believe it was uh ICW and um uh me and Drastic uh hooked back up like we were like friends from like high school. So uh mm. we hooked back up and uh we actually started working with each other and then we were just talking about like really getting back into it because I was kinda like uh um didn't know if I wanted to continue wrestling or not at that point and um he was like, Yo, we should start tagging and let's wrestle so we wrestled uh, Old Money is Legal up in the Bronx at this random show, and it was our first tag match again, uh, with each other. And uh, we clicked, and it, and it kind of worked. So then um, Joel just opened up the school, and then uh, Drastic had trained with him um, uh, a while back, which I'm sure he'll tell you uh, back when he was mm-hmm. training with Magic. And 
you know, he had a, a rapport with him, and he was like, yo, let's just go down and check out his school. And we went, and uh, he took a liking to us. And, yeah, and that's uh, where, honestly, we, we really started working as a tag team and really started, like, to break out and um, go to where we're at now. Yeah. Um, what is EYSBO, and how did you guys come up with that? <laughs> uh I came up, uh, we came up with it with a friend, honestly. It was uh, more his idea because uh, when we first started uh, to wrestle, we wanted to be like, you know, LMFAO. That was kind of like the gimmick, uh, but it kind of mm-hmm. evolved definitely far from that. But, uh, yeah, I was trying to, uh, we were trying to look for an acronym. So uh, EYFBO, we usually uh, <laughs> uh, gimmick people, but I'll say it. I'm kind of just annoyed because everyone always asks what it is, and um might as well just say it. Uh, it's uh, entertaining your fucking balls off. That's what it stands for. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Nice. Now, how many different groups of letters have you been called? Because, I mean, it's not like a run-of-the-mill thing. Uh, a, a, a lot of things. Uh, can we curse on this? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, it gets a little rated R. Uh, you got a... Uh, uh, people come up with their own meaning of the acronym, like <laughs> eating your fucking butt out, uh, every young <laughs> female, uh, oh, man, I forget. Every young female enjoys orgasms or something like that. Uh, people make up their own acronym because they can't remember it, and they're just like E-Y-B-F-O, whatever. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> people eventually get it done. Yeah. yeah. So, um. I mean, you guys, you know, you really started to tear it up and you started to get in there with, you know, all sorts of, like, big-known tag teams. You know, you were an indie fan. So you got in there with guys like Hosh and Benjamin. You know, what was that like getting in with those guys? Uh, It was cool, man. Uh, They're cool dudes. Um, Yeah, I mean, it's been kind of surreal lately. Like like you said, we've been wrestling a lot of uh, upper indie guys, ex-WWE guys, ex-TNA people, and kind of just wrestling everyone. uh, it, it was cool to wrestle Haas and Benjamin. Uh, they were cool dudes. They're, they're kind of relaxed. Uh, and uh, it, it's cool wrestling that uh, that style because they do that, you know, quote-unquote WWE style. And uh, just mm-hmm. learning more of that, m- learning more of that is, like, beneficial towards, you know, uh, growing as wrestlers. And, um, yeah, uh, uh, one of our craziest moments was wrestling Ultimate Dragon in Canada, which was uh, yeah. pretty insane, surreal to be across the ring from him. Uh, yeah, that that was uh, that was like that. Uh, oh shit, this is actually happening moment. You know what I mean? That was like our market yeah. moment. But um, yeah, man, it's been awesome. Like wrestling, like all these people. Like honestly, it, it's definitely what has uh, made us grown as a tag team. Yeah. So, you know, you're saying surreal, and definitely Ultimo was one of the guys I was going to mention for sure. But, um, I mean, you also got in there with Too Cool. Oh, yeah, what was that yeah. match like? <laughs> it was uh, it was awesome. Uh, uh, it, I was, uh, when we were going to the event, I was just like, oh, man, are these guys going to want to work? You know what I mean? Like, are they just going to mm-hmm. be those, those old guys that are just going to want to hit their, their gimmicks and that's a game over five-minute match? But they actually put in work and they worked with us and they gave us the respect and we had a really good match with them. It was uh it was really cool working them and had that moment at the end doing a dance with them. I, I mark out for shit like that, so it was cool. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I mean other guys, you know, just just big name guys like Jim Duggan, uh, Shane Douglas. You know, what was the, yeah. you know, with those guys. 
Uh, cool, man. I mean, we ran in with uh, Shane a couple of times doing fighting spirit wrestling. So, you know, we developed mm-hmm. uh, more, more of a rapport with him. He's just a cool dude. Uh, he believes in aliens <laughs> randomly. Oh, but, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, Jim Duggan was cool. Like, all these dudes were just, like, really humble dudes. Like, none of those crazy stories about running into, like, um, uh, the idols or whatever of wrestling and they're, like, assholes and jerks. Everyone uh, right. so far, fortunately, has been, like, really cool, like, down-to-earth dudes willing to, like, work with us, you know what I mean? And haven't, and they haven't, like, big lead us or anything like that, which is which is awesome that we get that respect from them. Yeah. Now, obviously, you know, you got to change your styles quite a bit because, I mean, you, you've worked, you know, fast-paced matches with some of those young cats and, and then, you know, the TV style with some of those dudes. How do you adjust to that, you know, coming up as a younger wrestler? Uh, I think as you get older, you want to do the TV style, honestly. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, uh, it, it just kind of, I, you know, like you said, we, we grew up with, uh, I grew up with like Ray Bonner style and like, you know, mm-hmm. Gate and all that like fast pace and like, you know, American Lucha stuff. Um, but like, that's what made me want to be a wrestler. So that's when I first started training, that's what I focused on. And then, you know, eventually that'll take you to a certain point And then you've got to like really learn how to like work more, do more character based stuff, you know, and it's just kind of like you you wrestle to your the, your opponent's strengths, you know what I mean? So, like, if we're going to wrestle, obviously, like, Jim Duggan's not going to do a tackle, drop down, her Karana, arm drag off the top rope, you know what I mean? So, right. uh, yeah, it just, you know, just wrestle. Uh, we've just been able to adapt to both, you know what I mean? And honestly, more so, like, now wrestling that like more TV quote unquote TV style has been more uh, relevant now in our career just because you know you you just learn how to work when you get to a certain stage you know what I mean and just learn how to like slow it down like everyone says and and just like uh, really focus on like entertaining or just like you know uh, telling a story in the ring more so than like doing a bunch of cool moves which that's cool too you know what I mean you just play to yeah. the crowd and mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. How did um Team Pazuzu come about and you become part of that? <laughs> so uh let's see. Uh I would say maybe a year before Team Pazuzu really got started, um we were really cool with uh Pinky Sanchez. Um mm-hmm. and like uh Pinky there thanks to the to the man Carlos, uh he he honestly helped us out kinda like um breaking out of the New York City area. Uh, right. We, uh, yeah, we just kind of, like, uh, got together and, uh, and like, really, really uh, started getting, uh, building a relationship with Pinky. And um, Pinky's always been cool with uh, Dickinson and uh, Jaka. And, uh, yeah, it just, we just kind of all came together and, like, uh, we're all into kind of, like, we have the same sense of humor. We're all, like, kind of into the same thing. So, uh, yeah, it just kind of naturally happened, you know what I mean? Like, just we started doing shows with each other, and then we started being on the road with each other, and then we were all talking. It was like, yo, we should do this, like, for real, because Pinky and Dickie and uh, Jocka already kind of had Team Pazuzu going on, but they wanted to make it, like, mm-hmm. an actual, like, thing thing and, like, uh, um, bring it to, to the wrestling side more so, like, just, like, us being boys. And, uh, yeah, it just uh, – 
from traveling with each other, and it just kind of built from that. And then we finally debuted it at Beyond, and it's been working ever since. It's like it's been an awesome year for us. Like we've been, like you said, we've wrestled a bunch of names, like we've wrestled all over the place, and like uh, people are really like you know uh, uh, going with the Team Pazuzu thing, and it's and it's awesome because it's just us being boys and just having fun, and and it works. Yeah. Now you mentioned uh, you know breaking out in New York and stuff, and I always wonder because um you know I'm I'm from Jersey and you know, I watch a lot of Jersey wrestling and Philly wrestling and stuff like that, and it always seemed like New York you know has a good following within New York, but it's not as widespread as like the Philly or Jersey stuff. I don't like you know uh, House of Glory and um you know what the Maximos were doing. They're booking top notch yeah. cards, some of the biggest talent and stuff, but it just doesn't seem to get out there. What do you think it is about New York? Uh, man, I don't know. New York back in the early, like, when I when I got into wrestling, New York was where it's at. New York and Philly, because of, uh, like, like Ring of Honor and, like, ICW back in the day was, like, popping after kind of, like, ECW went down. Um, right. Man, I don't know. I, I, I just think the talent pool, you know what I mean? Like, uh, I mean, the, of course, you had the, the forefront of New York, like the Homicides, the Hit Squad, the SATs, Mason Red, Brian Excel, like all those dudes were like repping New York really hard. And then um I don't know, man. I think it's just the the combination of like uh them kind of stopping wrestling and like uh Ring of Honor really focusing on like you had like Ring of Honor J P and like those like Jersey and Philly stuff and then like I don't know, man, like New York like you said, it kinda like drizzled down a bit and um it's been in a weird limbo, but, like, House of Glory definitely is, like, finally there's a place, you know, that uh, that you can go and wrestle in New York and, like, on a big scale because uh, there hasn't been a place like that in a, in a minute. I just think, it, honestly, it's just been the talent pool. But, like, now there's a lot of hungry, hungry cats in New York, like uh, like the House of Glory guys. Um, uh, Five Bills is another place uh, that they get really good talent to come in and, yeah, I, I think it's on the up, but uh, before that, it probably I w- to answer your question, it would probably maybe be the talent. But now there's a lot of good people coming up, so it's interesting to see how it plays out. Yeah. Now, now I gotta ask you this. Now, what was the thought process when you went through t- and bought those shoes? <laughs> I mean... uh, honestly, um, I kind of. Uh, when they first came out, you know, like the Vibrams, the toe shoes, uh, yeah. I bought them to, to like work out in them. And they just, mm. I like wearing sandals. Like I hate wearing sneakers. I hate wearing boots unless I have to, you know what I mean? If it's snowing and shit outside, but uh, I bought them one day to training them. And then, you know, I was like, uh, cause of the, the, you know, the funky monkey, the gimmick, I was like, I right, need something right. different. You know what I mean? I need something different to kind of make me stand out. And I had the pair, and I was like, you know what? They match with my gear. I'm just going to wrestle with them. And I kind of stood with them ever since. And I've gotten so comfortable wrestling with them that, like, I hate wrestling in boots and, like, wrestling shoes now. So, yeah. Yeah. It's, like, falling apart. Like, it's put together with, like, electric tape and scotch tape. And I I get a lot of crap for it. But uh, I'll I'll, I'll wear nothing but tape if I have to. Yeah, well, shit. I mean, if it works, yeah. it works. Yeah, Definitely exactly. Stands up. Um, so then, you know, going going forward, and again, some of the guys you've been working, 
you know, one of the biggest tag teams on the Northeast, you know, years ago, and they really made a big, you know, resurgence recently, is the Hit Squad. And you guys got in there with the Hit Squad. What, you know, what was it like with those guys? Man, uh, the first match we had with them, I, it was like we, we wrestled them before at the Lutus, like um, a while back. But then uh, since then we've grown like uh, like tenfold. Like we've, we've grown like as far as like our experience and just how our mindset was different the second time around when we wrestled them um, at Beyond. And it was uh, – every time you wrestle the hit squad, it's like, all right, it, it – you're ready to go in. You know what I mean? You don't wrestle them thinking like, oh, all right, today is going to be easy. We're just going to, you know, uh, we're we're just going to do one, two, three, and we're good. We don't have to worry about it. When you go to wrestle the hit squad, it's like, oh, shit, all right, I'm, I'm going to get ready for a fight. You know what I mean? Um, mm-hmm. But they're the best guys, man. Like uh, Moth and Steve, like another group of people that's helped us out a lot. Uh, also like Homicide and stuff like that. They're just – uh, they're they're cool ass dudes, man. They're like our, like our dads in New York. You know what I mean? They're like the forefathers of New right. York, like we call them. And uh, yeah, it's just when we wrestle them, you get ready to to fight, pretty much. You know what I mean? Like it's yeah. it's it's legitimate. The, the hits are laying in more. The moves are up. Uh, yeah, <laughs> it's it's one of those days when you know you're gonna be sore the next day. Sure. Um, you know, another team that had mostly made their name for, you know, Chikara, but they've been pretty widespread. Um, the Syrian Portal, what was it like working those guys? Because that's another different style. Oh, yeah. We, well, we we love wrestling them. We've only been in the ring with them a couple of times. We tagged with um, uh, o- Ophidian, uh, Amasis, excuse me, not Ophidian, Amasis. We tagged with uh, Amasis in Canada, uh, like, once, and we've been on a couple of road trips with them. So, you know, we built a friendship with them. Like they're mad cool. And we, I, we love wrestling that, like that Lucha style, you know what I mean? Uh, like Chicago is another big place that like coming up in the business that I used to watch a lot, obviously uh, liking that, like Lucha background and stuff. And uh, it's cool mm-hmm. wrestling them because you get to do that Lucha stuff. Like uh, we wrestle in new England a lot and Canada and not everyone could do that style. So like, it's fun when we get in there with people that could do that style and we, we jump at it. Yeah. Um, now, you know, you guys were there, you are part of the team Pazuzu and everything else, and, you know, there was the whole controversy and whatnot over the Dickinson-Kimberly match, and I didn't have <laughs> yeah. a problem with it, but it caught it caught so much heat, and I thought it was great, but uh, it caught so much heat. You know, being part of the team, did you catch any kind of, you know, shrapnel off of that? Because, I mean, you, you guys also had to tag up and, you know, wrestle JT and Kim and, and all that and continue to feud. Yeah, I, honestly, like, it, it worked quite opposite. I think uh, after that, uh, we got cheered more, <laughs> which was weird. I feel like it got more yeah. heat on the internet from the non-wrestling community, uh, right. and some from the wrestling community. But it was like those lot of like those those people that um, uh, that don't watch wrestling or maybe just watch like Raw, like randomly see it on TV. Uh, those casual wrestling fans. But like, I feel like our home base, like, knew what it was, and, like, the fans in in FET itself, at Beyond itself, didn't really give us too much flack for it. Uh, it was more, yeah. like, outside heat, like you said. Um, but, yeah, like, honestly, after the whole deal, we got cheered a lot more, uh, which is weird because, you know, we're the bad guys and we're supposed to get booed, but uh, I don't know, I guess <laughs> the, the fans of the Fed like uh, like the old ECW like craziness, you know, of it. 
Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, honestly, me in particular, or I think the rest of the team, honestly, ever got got like that much heat from it. Uh, Chris, on the other hand, got a little more heat, obviously, because he was the, on the uh, the one dealing it out. But uh, right. yeah, it, it wasn't that bad. It it kind of like worked out, I guess. You know what I mean? So sure, sure. Um, yeah. What's your favorite venue you've worked in thus far? Uh, that's hard. Uh, it's either FET, uh, Beyond Wrestling, like Beyond Wrestling, we consider one of our homes. Uh, House of Glory mm. is another really good venue, but, uh, I, honestly, I would have to say C4 up in Canada at the, uh, Knights of Columbus. Uh, yeah, the C4 fans, the Canadian fans are, are like the best. They're, they get so into it. They're always drunk and they're always there to have a good time and they're the loudest. <laughs> Like even if it's a lighthouse, you feel like you're wrestling in front of like, like a thousand people. Yeah, um, big big crowd you worked in front of um in recently in Jersey was um the Jersey All Pro wrestling um Homicide and Hernandez. What was it like you know getting in with there you know with them with the big uh, crowd and everything? Yeah, it was another surreal moment, man. Like, like I like I mentioned before, coming up in the New York system and stuff like that, like those guys, the homicides, the hit squad, like, uh, and also wrestling the SATs and stuff, like, that's that moment that, like, you're just like, damn, man, like, this is it, like, I feel like, honestly, like, um, uh, uh, if nothing happens tomorrow or if I, like, I break my foot, knock on wood, and I can never wrestle again, like, I'll be all right, you know what I mean, because I got the respect from, like, those people, like, the reason why I'm wrestling, the, the, when I was going to shows and I would do road trips as a fan and go to see these shows and, like, the people that I connected with and the people that I wanted to be like were those guys, like, was was that New York crew. And, like, wrestling with them and, and at JAP, like, <laughs> when we when me and Drastic, like, uh, when Drastic and I uh, were talking about becoming a tag team, like, we were talking about, and, you know, when you talk with your boys, you're just shooting the shit and you're like, yeah, we could do mm-hmm. this and that. We were like, yeah, man, we need to we need to start tagging so we could like wrestle at JP and we could do some tag shit. He's like, yeah, we should, you know what I mean? And like it happened, which was crazy. And like, I, it was like maybe two and a half years ago, and we were just shooting this shit at work. And it was like, who would think like, all right, we actually, you know, put our money where our mouth was at, and like wrestling them in front of that crowd. And um, unfortunately, you know, it was bec- uh, it was a memorial show. Uh, right. that Frank, uh, and um, that was a pretty hard moment to deal with because uh, a lot of our our, our closer uh, friends in wrestling, they they were really close with him. I didn't know him too much. I met him maybe like one time before that, but uh, I mean, in that aspect, it was cool to honor him. You know what I mean? I wish he could have been mm-hmm. there to see it because uh, sure. you know he's definitely a person that we wanted to impress. And uh, going in, that was one of our goals to go in and impress him. Um, but yeah, it was a, it was, it was another surreal moment. It's like one of those big moments in wrestling. Like I seem to be having a lot of those this year, which is a good thing. Yeah. Now, yeah, I know you guys got a lot to go, and you know, plenty of places to work and people to work. But if you had to yeah. put together three of your favorite matches up until this point, what would those three matches be? Oh man, uh, three matches. Definitely the Hit Squad uh, at Beyond, the the first one we did at Beyond. Um, uh, let's see. Definitely Ultimate Dragon uh, at C4. And let me see. A third one. 
Recently, I would uh, I, I would have to say the uh, House of Glory match that we had with uh, the private party <clears throat> for the House of Glory straps, because I feel like um, uh, me and Josh were talking about this. Like we were um, we were having like the string of like matches where you know as the fans like them or whatever, but personally, because we're like perfectionists, we're like, nah, we could do better. We want to do better because like House of Glory is such a big venue. And then, like, we went in with mm. that mentality, like, when we wrestled the, the private party that match. And, uh, yeah, we had a really good match with them. So, up to date, I would say those three matches that I could think of. Okay. Okay. If I'm missing anything else, I'm sorry if I offend someone. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, so, I mean, who are some dream matches you got? Some, you know, teams you want to work or guys you're trying to work out there? Uh, me, personally, I want to work uh, – de- we definitely want to work the Young Bucks. Um Sure. Uh, Bristol Brothers, they're they're one of my top tag teams. Um, uh, Bravados, uh, uh, definitely Motor City Machine Guns, but I don't think that'll ever happen. Um, uh, yeah, like all those early like like 2000 tag teams that like made a name for themselves. Like we wrestled, we wrestled uh, some of them, but uh, offhand, those who I can think of that I, I really 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 want to wrestle at the moment. Yeah. Now, you know, with such a, you know, flow of, of guys really making it up into the NXT realms and stuff, is that your goal or do you, you know, you got your focus on something else? Uh, I would say, I mean, TV is kind of where we want to head to next after the year that we had, uh, maybe like Ring of Honor or like TNA or something like that. But, uh, you know, I, I'm sure it'll come with time, but like, we're just focusing like maybe one show at a time, just trying to get on more shows. You know what I mean? And uh, sure. just wrestling more places. Like, you know, I feel like it's going to come. Like I'm, I'm pretty patient and you kind of have to be in wrestling because sometimes things can happen like out of nowhere. You know what I mean? Or it could take a really long time for that to happen because people wrestle for like 10, 15 years until they make it somewhere. Um, but yeah, like uh, just wrestling more and uh, just like expanding our reach. Like we definitely want to go internationally uh, more so than just Canada, try to get to Mexico, try to get to the West Coast. That's kind of like our focus. It kind of like we want that career where we wrestle everywhere, go to Europe, Japan, Mexico, and like everything, and then maybe do a TV round, you know, like more old school way of like coming up in the business. That's kind of what we want to do as a team. I'm sure Jessica right. will tell you the same. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. man, um, you know, is there anything you want to plug, put out there? Uh, yeah, sure. Um. Uh, we got House of Glory this Friday. Uh, we're wrestling the private party again. I'm sure we'll we'll have a ill match. If uh, people are listening in the area, please come through. Um, you can Facebook it, Google. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, horrible at plugs. Uh, yeah, and uh, beyond, if uh, at the end of the month, on the 27th, I believe, uh, if you're in the Rhode Island area, or even if you're not, uh, it's going to be uh, a really good show. It's the... Uh, Last show we're going to have at the FET, uh, probably for a really long time. So I'm sure Drew Cordero is going to put a crazy card together, and it, it's going to be an ill match. Plus, you get to see Team Pazuzu. So, yeah, definitely beyond House of Glory this Friday, beyond at the end of the month. Uh, yeah, and if you want to follow me, you can do FM Angel Ortiz on Twitter or just Angel LTC Ortiz on Facebook or EYFBO. You could look us up. I'm always sharing wrestling posts. It's kind of what I use social media for. So if you don't want constant wrestling posts shared on your newsfeed, then don't follow me. But <laughs> that's pretty much it. All right. 
All right, all right, man. Yeah, thanks for coming on. I really appreciate it. I'd definitely like to have you back on in the future. And, um, you know, I hope to see a lot more of you out there just killing it. Yeah, definitely, man. Thank you for having uh, having me on. And thank you for having uh, Drastic on as well, I'm sure, which will be on in a few. And, uh, yeah, I appreciate yep. it, man. Like, this is probably, like, the second ever podcast that I did. Uh, yeah, it, it was cool. It was fun, man. Thank you. Good shit, man. Have a good night. All right, bro. You too. I have on the line the other half of EYFBO, Mike Drastic. Hey, man. Going on, man. How's it going, guys? Good, good. Uh, so, yeah, man, oh, just uh, right. got finished Just got finished talking to your partner and um, you know, wanted to get you on. You guys have absolutely been killing it. Um, what were your earliest, <laughs> earliest memories of wrestling? Earliest memories? Wow. Uh, I like to say... The earliest moment of me watching wrestling is probably WrestleMania 7. And, uh, I mean, seeing the Nasty Boys versus the Hart Foundation was, was uh, pretty much what sparked me. Uh, it's the most random match ever. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, that that's the first, like, memory I have of watching wrestling. Uh, who was your favorite guys as a kid to watch? Uh, Bret Hart. <laughs> and uh, who else? Of course, like I mean, during that time, you know, growing up, you were either a Bret Hart fan or you were a Shawn Michaels fan, you know. And um, mm-hmm. I was I was always uh, a big Bret fan, but also like when Bret faded out, and I became a big Shawn Michaels fan and stuff. So yeah, right. Um, so what made you decide to get into wrestling? What sparked you to to do that? And um, how did you get into that? Well, I mean, it was something that uh, I started training when I was 17 out in uh, in Staten Island. And, um, I mean, I was in high school once. I had just moved to Staten Island from uh, the city. And, uh, you know, I was uh, a pretty (laughs) troubled kid, I'd I'd say. Um, And pretty much uh, I looked at wrestling to, to change my, my shit around, you know what I mean? And, and to try to get out of the whole street thing and, and all that crap. And, um, it's, it's always been something I wanted to do, you know, growing up and it's always been a passion. And I mean, yeah. <laughs> and then, uh, I started going to school and I met this kid that, um, that was like, hey, there's a wrestling school out here that I go to and stuff. And I was like, whoa, that's fucking awesome. I, I didn't really know of any wrestling schools or anything at that time. And, uh, yeah, one day he took me. And uh, it was actually uh, Magic, Andrew Morgan. I'm not sure if you guys are familiar with him. He's uh, mm-hmm. from Staten Island. And uh, I remember meeting Magic for the first time and... Um, you know, talking with him a little bit and telling him, you know, I'm still in school and stuff like that. And, uh, yeah, and I, I told him how passionate I was about it. And he, um, I was still in school at the time, so he was like, hey, uh, I'd love to train you. You seem very passionate and, and you know, something that you really want to do. But uh, before anything, I want you to finish high school. And, right. uh and to me, that was, you know, uh, 
it, it like it, it that right there, that moment right there, like set me off. You know what I mean? And he, uh, for him to do that, like I to this day, I appreciate. You know, I appreciate that because honestly, if I would have started going to wrestling school while I was still in high school, uh, I don't think I would have been going to school. <laughs> right. But um, but yeah, man, I was thankful that that he did that. And uh, honestly, as soon as I got my diploma, I didn't go to graduation, which I still get heat from my family about. I didn't go to graduation. I didn't go to prom. The next day, I went straight to Magic and handed him my diploma. And um, the rest is, uh, you know, history, I guess. Uh, so so when you got into actually training and everything, was it what you expected or, you know, how hard was it? Because, you know, it takes a lot of doing it to actually know what it is to go through it. Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, uh, I was uh, one of those kids, you know, at a young age that was, of course, had friends that did backyard wrestling and all that stuff. So Mm -hmm. that whole thing. And um, coming in, it was like, wow, like there's just so much to it. You know what I mean? Growing up and watching wrestling, you don't really know what's going on you don't really you just you follow the stories and your favorite people and you cheer and you boo you know what I mean and and like you don't realize how much of an art it is and uh it was definitely not what I expected and um yeah like magic busted our asses and uh I I definitely learned a lot from him how long was it before you clicked up with Angel uh, we hooked up, well, me and Angel have known each other for years. He was actually one mm-hmm. of the kids that, uh, I used to do backyard wrestling with. <laughs> uh, okay. And, um, yeah, we know each other since we were like 14, 15 years old. And, um, you know, we separated, we went our own ways, we started growing up, doing our own things. And, uh, I'd say around 2010, we hooked back up. Um, then we started working together and from there we were like, Hey, uh, he noticed my passion. I noticed his and we clicked and, uh, yeah, we were like, Hey, why not? Let's, let's do it. Let's see how, what we can do with it. And, uh, yeah. When did you realize that, you know, you and Angel were going to be like a, you know, because sometimes they throw tag teams together, you do that, you know, singles tag team and kind of flip back and forth. But when did you realize that it was going to be like the thing to do when you guys click so well? Um, I'd say, because when we, when we hooked up and got together, we had started going to, uh, to train under, <laughs> under the SATs. And, um, you know, the SATs are like, you know, back then they were tag team wrestling, you know, and, right. um, and training under them and, and learning and stuff like that and, and us training together and noticing the chemistry and, and all that stuff. Like I'd say when, uh, we got to do the first national pro wrestling day. And we right. actually, we we wrestled the SATs. And I'd say after that match and, and you know, experiencing that, because that was like the biggest thing we've ever done at that time. And experiencing mm-hmm. that and, and, and 
like just noticing our, our passion and that that was like all right we we're on something and you know it's it's looking good yeah um now you guys you, you guys spent a lot of time in new york and um you know, Angel was even saying that, you know, it took a while for you guys to be able to really break out of New York. What do you think it is that keeps that New York indie scene somewhat in the dark? I mean, there's a lot of talent out there, and, um, mm-hmm. you know, House of Glory does, like, big, big-time matches. It just doesn't seem to get the same exposure, even, like, a Jersey or a Philly gets. What do you think that is? Oh, that's a good question, man. Like like you were saying, there's a, so much talent. Here in, in New York, you know, a lot of people that that aren't known and, and guys don't know about and stuff like that. Um, but I don't know, man. I I feel like New York was was so quiet for so long that I feel like people forgot, you know, the the forgot about what New York gave to independent wrestling. I, I feel like you know, especially back then when independent wrestling was like booming, a lot of a lot mm-hmm. of you know the main guys were were from New York, and um, after that, after guys started dying out and and you know doing their own thing and slowing down or whatever, uh, so like people forgot, you know. But uh, like you said, House of Glory is definitely doing it big, and I feel like they're the ones that are are bringing it back. You know what I mean? They're they're the ones right now holding down New York City. And to me, uh, they're doing a fantastic job, man. Like Red mm-hmm. and Brian XL have this shit down to a science, you know. And, and not only that, but they, they're grooming their students for greatness, you know. I think uh, yeah. uh, Amazing Red is, is one of the greatest teachers around, you know, being able to learn from him and, and – speak with him and, and all this stuff like he's amazing man <laughs> uh and um yeah i i think they're doing great and they're bringing new york city back up and putting us back on the map and uh i i could only imagine where things are going to go in the next few years you know sure now uh you know coming up wrestling you know guys like the maximos um you wrestled so many different, you know, teams in so many different styles. Um, you wind up in the ring with yeah. too cool. Yeah, how how was that? And you know, what was that like? Well, that was an experience, man. Like, uh, of course, too cool was the big thing back then when a lot of us were growing up. So, um, sure. getting getting to uh, to to just be in the ring and stand across the ring from these guys was wow I it took me back to 1998 watching Monday Night Raw you know what I mean and mm-hmm. uh, and um, it was great man it was a great experience uh, Sky Too High is, is amazing and he is still a animal in the ring <laughs> um, <laughs> Brian Christopher was Brian Christopher was great you know and and like we got along well, all four of us, and it clicked, and it was a great experience, man. I definitely got to learn. I feel like from them we, we took away um, being able to put together, like, a TV match. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, um, and, uh, yeah, it was definitely a learning experience and a good time. And thank those guys, man. Yeah. Yeah, and then um, in Canada, you, you got to wrestle Ultimo Dragon. What, what was that like? <laughs> Well, 
funny. It, it's funny you ask. It's uh pretty funny story. Um, at first, uh, getting up, well, when we found out, it was like, oh, shit, that's for real. And then, of course, when they advertised it and announced it, it was like, all right, this is really going down, you know. Um, and, you know, it was very exciting. And then getting there, <clears throat> uh, the promoter comes to us, and he's like, all right, listen, guys, uh, Ultimo Dragon is, is, is pretty uh, pissed off because he lost his bags earlier in the day. The airline lost his bags. And um, so he had to deal with trying to reclaim his, his stuff all day, and he was in a pretty shitty mood. And so we're like, oh, so it's probably going to be one of those days. And, um, no, we, we go into his locker room, and um, we go to introduce ourselves. And, you know, he he was fine. He was there with, with uh, some people. And um, out of nowhere, I guess he... Me and Angel, we both have, um, like, tattoos of the Puerto Rican flag. And mm-hmm. uh, I guess he noticed them. So he he looks at our tattoos and he goes, that is Boricua in Spanish, and which means, are you Puerto Rican? And, like, to me it was a shock. But then I remembered, oh, shit, he spent most of his career in Mexico and, and you know, of course, speaking Spanish and stuff like that. So, um once we started speak, communicating in Spanish, he opened up, he got comfortable, he started joking around, and, uh, yeah, man, it was amazing, like, being in the ring with that guy. He still has it, he can still go, and it was great, man. He he wanted to work with us, and, and um, yeah, man, like, shit, exciting, really exciting time. <laughs> now, you know, what was your biggest moment so far? Was it, was it across the ring from Ultimo Dragon? Um, I, as far as like work, the people we've worked with, like, or yeah, just as far as being surreal, like you being in a ring with somebody. Oh, yeah. being surreal. Uh, yeah. well, that was definitely that was definitely a, a surreal uh, moment, definitely. Um, for us. Uh, and another moment was doing when we first when I first started training with Magic surprising like the guy who who owned the um school had a lot of connections with some people and stuff and uh he brought in Brett to do a seminar and uh I got to you know do a little practice match in front of Brett and having him <clears throat> critique and sit there and watch and like I you know like I said Brett was my favorite wrestler of all time and um, right that ex- that experience was Jesus like I I still can't explain it yeah yeah that's awesome um so then going I mean you guys another big team that you guys wrestled um you know indie guys turned WWE guys and uh, Haas and Benjamin and what was it like wrestling those guys. <laughs> That was fun as well, man. That was that was a good time. Um, Benjamin is an animal, also in the ring. Like he can go. Like that guy does not. He's a machine. He does not get tired. Um, Haas was really cool. You know, it, it was it was really good. Really good. Um, they they you know they that was another thing we learned a lot from them and, and working with them and how to put together matches and stuff like that. It was really cool. They were really cool guys. 
Now, when you guys came up with the EYFBO, um, are there any other names that you guys kicked around, or you know, did you guys actually, immediately land on that? Yeah, actually, we were um, we were in a car ride heading up to Rhode Island, doing some small show, and before we were just drastic and Ortiz, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And uh, we were we were in the car with a few friends. And at the time, we were trying to do the whole, like, party rock, you know, gimmick or whatever that everybody was trying to do at that time. Uh, and, you know, we were like, yeah, we got to come up with a cool acronym. And then, actually, one of our friends came up with it. And we were like, all right, sounds cool. And then we came up with a meaning. And, yeah, I guess it stuck. <laughs> nice. Um, how often does that get, like, mistaken or you know uh, they throw all their letters out or you know whatever the case is because it isn't the easiest to remember I'm, yeah i'm sure you guys have seen it a lot <laughs> i see guys i mean hey man whatever where i it happens all the time we either get hey what does it stand for or uh what is how, what's the order of the letters or but uh yeah I, I, but now i guess it's coming around a little bit Cool, cool. Um, so, um, you know, you guys, you wrestled um, another team that, you know, was just a, one of the biggest teams, uh, you know, through the early 2000s, even late 90s, the hit squad. Uh, you know, what was it like getting in there with those guys? They were crushing the, the Indies for the longest time. They're making a huge resurgence now. And, you know, you guys are the new breed. Wow. Well, working with them was, I mean – like I said, you know, growing up and watching the Indies, I got into the Indies when I was about 13 or 14. And uh, mm-hmm. I used to go to Frank Goodman shows, USA Pro. They used to last <laughs> forever. Um, and I used to watch the His Squad on VHS tapes. You know what I mean? And um, those guys are always guys that I always looked up to and respected. And... Uh, respect of what they were doing and the work they were putting in and especially representing, you know, the city. Um, and yeah, there's just so much love and respect I have for those guys, man. Like they've helped us so much, so much. And, and like, and it's pretty surreal because, you know, us growing up watching the Indies, these guys were superstars, you know, it's us. These guys were the guys we looked up to and watching them on tapes and all this stuff. And then here we are, you know, freaking 10 years later or what have you and we're standing across the ring from them and learning from them and they're our, you know, our friends. We we can actually call each other friends and uh, it's pretty surreal and it's amazing. Like those guys, we owe so much to because uh, without the His Squad, there is no EYFBO, you know? Mm-hmm. So you mentioned Frank Goodman. What's your thoughts on Frank Goodman overall? That what? Sorry? Uh, you mentioned Frank Goodman. Um, yeah. What's your thoughts on, on Frank Goodman and the way he, you know, he runs shows and stuff? <laughs> I mean, hey, back then I was still a kid, so I didn't really get it, you know. The shows were always yeah. crazy and exciting, and it was just straight madness. And I remember uh-huh. fucking riots, man. And, uh, yeah, like, it was, it was just nuts. It just sucked that they would end at, like, two in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But uh but um 
yeah, man, like it was cool. Like I, I didn't, I never really met the guy. I don't know the guy like that. So I've, I've just right, heard right. insane stories, you know. Yeah. But uh, of course, every everyone has their opinions and has their stories in wrestling, and some are good and some are bad. You just, you know, you take it for what it is. He was big on the uh, the ticket seller matches, and I, I, that's probably what had you there yeah. until two o'clock in the morning. Um, has any yeah. promoters tried to, um, you know, suck you into that type of mentality? Thankfully, no. Thankfully, we've we've never really had to to deal with anything like that. Um, I feel like when when we've approached promoters or whoever, um, you know, we approach them very professional and and you know. Our, our experience, well, I mean, even even back then when we were starting up, we never really had to deal with that, surprisingly. Right. But, um, but uh, yeah, like, whatever. <laughs> yeah. Um, now, one of the first times I heard about you is because, um, you know, I had had Joker on, and Joker was talking about he was pretty much leaving wrestling. He was tired of the bullshit. A lot of it was because of DJ Hyde, but... Um, yeah. He had pretty much, amongst all of that, mentioned that now he, he was going to go wrestle you. And mm-hmm. I was like, wow, like I had never heard about you before. And, I, you know, I knew Joker as, as a killer. I mean, he's, you know, he's a dominant dude. So I'm like, oh, so, shit, yeah. who's this kid, you know? So what yeah. was it like, you know, he obviously, you know, in retrospect, had a lot of respect for you and, you know, wanted to work you because, you know, he looked at you with, you know, some sort of respect. So it was way different than it came off on paper initially to me. What was it like, yeah. you know, wrestling Joker? It was amazing. Like to have, and I'm sure you know, and everybody else, to have that guy's respect is 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 truly something special. You know what I mean? He doesn't he doesn't give it out to a lot of people, and um, mm-hmm. you know, a, a young punk kid from NYC just trying to try to make something happen and make some noise. You know what I mean? Uh, I was nobody, and for yeah. him to uh, to do that for me at that time meant the world, you know, because that was actually my first match back from a neck injury. I was out for maybe like seven to eight months before that match. And um, through that, like throughout that time, we, we would talk a lot and, and text each other back and forth and stuff like that. And and uh, Joker was another one of those guys that I, I respected and looked up to. Um, So, yeah, that that was truly something special to me that I, I'll hold on to forever, man. Because uh, at that time, you know, just starting out, I was nobody. And for a guy like him to uh, give me that respect and, and and for me to have that privilege is, is you know, it's pretty cool. Right. Not even, uh, not you, know, even as, you know, just Joker as the wrestler, but, you know, Bill Posada, like an sure. amazing human being. You know he's and uh, he's an amazing father, amazing family guy. Like I, I respect him in and out of the ring, man. He's an amazing dude. Absolutely. Um, so you know, I'd asked Angel, and um, you know, you guys are part of the you know Team Pazuzu. You guys all clicked up, and obviously, yeah. you know, the big internet buzz was the uh, the Dickinson Kimberly incident, and you guys, you know, yeah, continued yeah. the angle. You had, um, you know, you guys wrestled um, JT and Kimberly and kept the angle going. And, you know, what was what was the backlash of that like on your end? I, I liked it, but, you know, it, it caught its end in that heat. Yeah, I mean, 
it's all on how, like I said, everyone has their opinions and, and how they see things. And, uh, yeah, man, but that's what wrestling is about, right? The mm-hmm. shock, the, uh, you know, the excitement, the, uh, the, the wanting to believe, you know what I mean? And those, what yeah. those two did was they made everyone believe they did their, their job as, as professional wrestlers. Do I think, do I think it went too far? No, not at all. Kimberly is, is a tough girl. Like everyone knows. And, um, she's taking her hits and, uh, yeah, like she knew what she, what was, what she was getting into, you know, when Stephanie Dickinson and, you know, that and, and all that other, um, but yeah, like, I feel like it was great. It was, uh, exactly what, what everyone needed. And it, um, mm-hmm. you know, it got a tea and people liked it. And like I said, everyone has their own opinion. It is what it is. The angle was fun. Yeah. We had a lot of fun and, and, you know, it's still going. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, so recently at the Jersey all pro show, you guys wrestled homicide and Hernandez, you know, and it was a big emotional night, huge crowd, fat Frank through yeah. the show and everything else. What was that show like yeah. for you? Wow. Uh, the show just being there in, in, in the building was, it's hard to put into words, man. Like Jersey all pro was, was, um, one of the, first places that I uh, I discovered in indie wrestling. And again, watching those VHS tapes and and stuff, um, wow. Like, I remember watching the tapes and always then, like, like you know, having the, the hard cam looking towards the, the bleachers and stuff like that. And you always saw the Jersey All-Pro banners at the top. So I remember first getting to the building and uh, it was still empty and stuff and just looking up at those banners like, wow, this is insane. Like I'm here, like, uh, you know, and it it was definitely a a great experience and a great time. And and, um, we're just, you know, we're upset that that Frank wasn't there, you know, and Yeah, like you said, it was emotional. It was, you know, but at the end of the day, it was celebrating his life and celebrating the, you know, what he put in to the business and, and all that, you know. And um, getting to stand across the ring from Homicide and Hernandez was, which I think they were, no, I'm wrong, never mind. But, uh, yeah, like, they were one of the top tag teams in Jersey All-Pro and, you know, guys we respect and look up to and, and stuff like that. So it was definitely a surreal moment. Yeah. Um, now, you, I mean, you guys got a lot left to go. You guys are going to be a lot of places, work a lot of people. But if you had to pick three matches out of what you've done thus far to say your favorite three matches, what would those matches be? Uh, wow. I'd say the hit squad, the first hit squad match, I think it was in May, um, when we worked them at, at Beyond. Uh, that match, who else? Jesus. I've gotten hit in the head a lot, so bear with me. <laughs> uh, right. Hit squad, um, 
and a lot of a lot of the the, the Pazuzu matches we've done, man, like like we've you know when we tag up with each other, it's, it's so fun and so great, man. Like those are really fun times. Um, man, that's tough, man. Put me on the spot. Uh, But yeah, definitely the Hit Squad is up there Um, Who else? Uh, I don't know, man That's that's a tough question There's so many There's so many many good ones that that We really enjoyed You know But um yeah, that that one his squad match is what really stands out to me. Okay. Um what's your favorite venue you've wrestled in thus far? Ooh, that's tough. Um of course Rahway. The rec center was one of my favorites and, and probably the biggest crowd we've worked in front of. Um mm-hmm. Music, of course, would be on wrestling. Set music is is an amazing. Just the atmosphere in that building, man, it it really like puts the whole show together. Um, and uh, the Amazura, the House of Glory, man, like that place is amazing. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. Those, those um, three. Who are some dream matches you got? Got you know guys you haven't worked yet that you're really looking to you know get in there with. Uh. One of them are the Bucks, of course. I feel like mm-hmm. that, uh, you know, there's no bullshit when they say they're the best tag team in the world. That's that's for real, you know. Um, yeah. The Bucks. Um, who else? Uh, Los Pendejos from down in Florida. Um, definitely a, a dream match that we've been wanting to work on for a while. And... Um, who else? Uh, gosh, there's, there's a few. There's a few. Um, yeah, those two are at the moment, right now. All right. Um, what are some places you're looking to work, some goals, you know, where you're looking to get, at least in the, the near future? The near future, um, I mean... I feel like our goal for for um 2016 is is to get to to get into uh, some of the major companies, you know, what I mean Ring of Honor, uh CGW, uh Shikara, you know, PWG, all the all the the big ones, you know what I mean? I feel like that that's going to really put us up there. And, you know, that's our main thing now. Also getting some TV time, you know. Right, for sure. I mean, you know, coming up and now that the the doors have opened so much as far as the NXT road is gone and, you know, so many of these indie guys are making it, does it give you guys a lot more hope as far as, you know, possibilities of the big time? Oh, yeah, definitely, man. Especially the past, you know, I'd say year or two. Like, I feel like, you know, wrestling on TV has shown you that anything is possible. (laughs) And and yeah. anyone could could do it, you know what I mean. You just gotta have the the, the drive and the determination, man, and, and do what you gotta do. Um, but it's definitely, you know, seeing a lot of guys that we know personally, you know, get signed, and and it's great, and it it makes us believe, and it, and 
and we will be there. We will. Like, we, me and Angel, we strongly believe that we'll be there, man. It's only a matter of time. Sure, man. Um, yeah, is there anything else you want to put out there, plug, anything else? Uh, I mean, I really, uh, this Friday is House of Glory in uh, the Amazura and Queens. Uh, everyone should definitely be there. They always, like you said, they always put on hot shows. Um, Beyond Wrestling at the end of the month uh, is probably going to be their last show at FET. Uh, and I'm sure, mm-hmm. you know, it's going to be, it's going to be something big and something good for everyone. Um yeah, man. Uh, Twitter drastic at drastic measures. Uh, on Facebook, you can find me at uh, Mike Drastic or our like page EYSBO. Um, and yeah, man, just uh, keep uh, keep supporting independent wrestling, man. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, man. Um, I definitely want to have you back on in the future. You guys are killing it. You know, I, I don't expect that to stop anytime soon. So. You're going to have a lot more to ask you guys, and um, yeah, thanks for coming on, man. Oh, yeah, definitely, man. Thanks for having us. Uh, it means a lot, man. Like, uh, <laughs> it, it's pretty cool when people want to hear your story and are interested in stuff. So, thank you, man. I really Absolutely. Anytime, man. And uh, like I said, you're welcome back anytime, and thanks for coming on. I appreciate it. No doubt. Thank you. Have a good night, man. All right. You too, brother. Later. Yeah. So there you go. That was EYFBO, First Angel, and Mike Drastic. Um, you know, great guys. Love talking to both of those guys. They are absolutely killing it. That I mean, you're talking about the future of tag team wrestling. I mean, these guys are killing it. And not even the future, the fucking present. Because when you talk about dream matches, you're putting EYFBO in there with guys like the Bucks. You're putting, you know, the Briscoes, those type of guys, just like they were mentioning. So, um you know, it's it's um it, it, it's some real shit, man. You, you got to check out what they're doing out there. Um, you know, check out all the different things they're doing on Beyond because um they're, they're just tearing it up, man. Let me um let me take a quick break. I don't have a ton of other shit to talk about. I already covered a whole lot of the, the CZW uh, Cage of Death coming up this weekend. I'll talk a little shit about that, but um I'm gonna play this Red Man track and come back and um. Yeah, alright, Jerry. Hey, you dope man, you're a star. I said, dope man, dope man, that's who I am. I got lyrics by the pounds and I sell them for grams. I don't sell crack, I sell coke. Bitch, I'm a star. The lyrics I sell is dope. 10,000 a bar. You can wreck me in Saran, make sure that I'm fresh. Put a stamp for your product right there on my chest. My transporter, KRS-1, let's chop it up. Cause this product killer, nigga, get you a tux. I got crack baby rap fans after the drug. The more they buy, cha-ching, bigger my check stub. Call me Mr. Pusher Man, it's dope in your ears. More money, I can cut it, get DJ Premier. You can fly me overseas and the dogs won't smell. London and Paris, you got mail. I'm the American gangster, I carry the weight. And when the feds watching homie, I put more on the plate, let's go. Hey, you're a star. I let 
waiting for my music to buy And when I'm done, ears ringing like package of rye Women strung out, they copping two for five They get a half a metaphor and a piece of a punchline Now I'm off to Canada, I'm high in demand My passport not working, hey, try it again I got drug dealers waiting like five in a band They unloading my shit, getting high from their hands It's the raw, uncut, Eddie Delirious The underground recognized in red we trust Even your neighborhood saying red you're tough Little kids idolizing when I pull up You can call a hotline, Reggie ready for work 1-800-FUCK-WITH-A-NIGGA, THIS NEW JERSEY I'll take your credit debit or Amex card To cop the gold chain, nigga, with the fancy car to hear Redman back on some shit. Unfortunately, I, I don't really like too much of the rest of his album he put out. Um, I don't know. It, it, it's just not... Um, shit isn't as thorough as, as uh, that track is. So, um, but yeah, um, I'm going to get into the CZW card in a little bit. Um, just a minute. I Something happened over this weekend as far as the uh, the wrestling world. They had a Chikara show. Now, I don't, you know, nobody nobody would think I would even mention the word Chikara on my show because I never give a shit about Chikara. But one of the realest things in Chikara, and always has been, is Eddie Kingston, which, you know, I'm a huge fan of Eddie. You know, he's been on the show a couple times. He's a great dude. And beyond anything else he does i mean he's a great wrestler um love watching that dude you know um i mean he's wrestled you know a bunch of different matches that you know are are top notch i mean right up there i mean his matches with hero um just just tremendous shit all over the i mean back when he he wrestled the necro butcher cvw title and you know I, i mean he's a great wrestler love watching that dude but beyond any of that the dude is legitimately one of the best promo cutters in the entire business, man. That's including WWE, any other bullshit you want to put up there. I'm telling you, this dude, he cuts promos like you're supposed to. And the thing about his promos is, I mean, you get you get all the emotion. You get the story. It builds. You know, the passion is there. I mean, it really just, you know, it takes you through you know, a, a whole story, a whole wave of emotions. It really does something rather than a dude just standing there going, I'm going to come out there and I'm going I'm to I'm beat you up. I'm going to fucking kill you. Yeah, whatever people say, for the most part, it, it becomes pretty generic. When you go at the different things that Kingston does with his promos emotionally and, and you know, what he puts together, it makes you give a fuck about the cards. Like, I, I all of a sudden wanted to see the main event of that Chikara that show. Again, I don't give a shit about Chikara, but I was like, fuck, man, like, I wonder what's going to happen in that match because 
he, he made you, he sold the event. And that's what a promo is supposed to do. Um, a big, big problem I have with CZW is there's no, there's none of that. Now, going into Cage of Death, there's, and I, maybe I'm wrong and I might miss a couple of promos or something like that, but from what I could think off the top of my head, a promos they cut was, well, they had Greg Excellent cut a promo, which was good, and he's doing like a serious gimmick, and he cut a promo, um, you know, saying a bunch of shit as far as like people didn't take him seriously, and he's about tired of it, and um, yeah, he got a good promo. So it's leading into a match that he's going to have against um, Tony Nese, um because he wanted top-notch competition. Obviously, Tony Nese is a great wrestler. Um, you know, I think, you know, they could really do some, some good shit with this. Now, um, part of the problem here is CZW doesn't even follow through with their own story. It doesn't even, doesn't even connect with what they're trying, what point they're trying to make with a storyline or a gimmick. Because right on their, their posters, you still got Greg Excellent smiling ear to ear, long beard, which he doesn't have anymore, smiling ear to ear, big fucking baby face Greg Excellent and you know fun loving Greg Excellent which is not what he's doing right now so it really takes you away from that shit you know what I mean because you're trying to accomplish one thing in the ring one thing on promos and then they just put up a poster that just shits on the entire gimmick there's there's just no dedication to what they're trying to sell and this is the problem Okay, so there's a Greg Excellent promo. So they've already kind of buried that with what they're doing, with their advertisement, with, you know, and you could pull it back together with the performance you put out there. So I'm not saying, hey, you know, all is lost. I'm just saying, you know, there's no commitment on all fronts to to make it do what it's supposed to do. There's no attention to detail in CZW, and that's a huge, huge part of fucking CZW's failure. Um, And, um, all right, so there's that. There's David Starr cutting a promo. Now, David Starr has pretty much booked himself against Sammy Callahan. Um, now, I don't, you know, know any backstage or inner workings or anything like that to know how it actually came about. You know, maybe someone else really wanted to see that. But either way, we knew Sammy Callahan was going to um, return to CZW. Um, as far as I'm concerned, Sammy Callahan doesn't even need to have a match in CZW on the night of Cage of Death. If he came out there, anybody was in the ring, he squashed them within 30 seconds, cut a welcome back promo. In my my personal opinion, the way that it should absolutely go with Sammy is he should go out there, squash whoever. Obviously, David Starr pointed, you know, painted the target on his back. He should squash David Starr in no time at all. And, um, and cut his promo, and then go away, and then at the end of the night, and that should happen sort of early in the card. And I know, you know, I mean, if this shit happens, I, you know, I don't know how many people even listen to my show, so I don't know if there's a big spoiler alert or whatever. I, again, I don't I don't write anything for CZW, so I don't know what the fuck happens. And, you know, this, this is just my guesswork and saying what I think should happen. And whether you knew it was going to happen or not, I think it's still the best fucking thing to be done, whether it's predictable or not. Uh, Cage of Death ends, fucking Sammy comes running out and attacks the fucking champion, you know, regardless of who the champion is. And that's who the fuck he should fight in February. 
and that's it. You know, Sammy should be challenging for the fucking titles in February. In my opinion, the fucking hit squad should attack the fucking tag champs after the match, and they should be going against the tag champs in February. You want to sell the fucking February show? Have the fucking hit squad lined up against your tag champs and Sammy Callahan lined up against your world champ. And fucking February is sold already. Motherfuckers want to see that shit. Boom. You, you know what I mean? You already have something in the fucking bag. Instead of that, CZW is doing this whole, uh, you know, and, you know, maybe they have something planned, but they're doing this whole, well, we're taking January off to reevaluate everything. And we, we don't know who we're booking and what we're doing and this. And so we're going to take January off to think about it. Like, mm, I mean, it, I, I don't know how you're going to cold sell that shit out of the fucking a month of absence. I'm not saying a month of absence is bad, but I'm just saying, Setting something up with Cage of Death would be a fucking nice idea, you know, to get a little bit of a ball rolling. And um, so that, that's what I think should happen. I don't think that there's a chance in hell that it's going to make a difference if Sammy Callahan has some classic match with David Starr. I, I don't think that makes any sense. I don't think it would make a difference. Sammy's going to get the biggest reaction in the building, period. I mean, he doesn't have to lift the fucking finger. So why why would he need to go out there and have a classic match with David Starr. That shit could happen three months down the road, and then it's then it's fine. Then it means something because he's back and he's back in full swing, and you know, and you can have all your classic matches. But to have that on the night of your entrance, where you could really just go out there, climb the fucking turnbuckles, and get just as big a pop as if you wrestled a five star match. So why waste your fucking crowd on that? You know what I mean? Uh, to me, it doesn't make any sense. So. Um, so you got a promo out of David Starr, and, you know, CZW didn't even mention that on their website. They obviously put up the promo that he cut and all of that stuff, that Sammy's coming back and all this, but they still didn't write, like, this is the match happening, and David Starr's advertising this is the match happening on his page. So, again, there's there's no consistency within CZW, attention to detail, any of that shit. And then the other guy who's cutting promos is Matt Tremont. Matt Tremont's the best promo guy in CZW, and he's the world champion. He doesn't have shit to prove. You've got three fucking challengers who aren't cutting promos for the fucking main event. you got Masada, you got AR Fox, and you got um, Devin, Devin Moore. And none of these guys are cutting promos. Those are the guys who should be cutting promos, you know, towards the champ. Instead of the champ cutting promos, like he has something to prove when he's the one holding the belt. Shit doesn't make any sense. But, you know, my point in going into all this with the promos, because to me, you need to sell your event. And if there's an event that needs to be hyped as the biggest thing on the fucking planet to CZW and CZW fans, it's Cage of Death. There should be nothing bigger. There should be nothing higher. So to leave it as like, eh, I really don't have much hype going into it. That's fucking crazy. Absolutely fucking crazy. So this is a promo that Eddie Kingston cut going into the Chikara show. Just check it out. We'll, we'll, we'll talk some more. People ask me why I call the Grand Championship her. You see, as a 33-year-old man, the only time I felt love or wanted to give love out was when I had the Grand Championship, when I had her. For 33 years, I've had a hole in my chest that could not be filled by anything in this life but her. When I held her at night, 
When I defended her in that ring, it gave me peace. It gave me calm. It gave me a purpose. Icarus, do you understand? Hollow Wicked, do you understand how it feels to walk this earth and not have a purpose? For 33 years to walk around in life not knowing what you are meant for. Just aimlessly wandering around. When I got her, I knew why I was here. I knew why God put me on this green earth. Was to protect her. To be with her. To love her. She is more than a title. She is way more than a belt. She is the love of my life. And Icarus, you took her from me. I hate you. I hate the air that you breathe. I hate the fact that you're even living. You make me sick. You should not be alive. You should not breathe the same air I breathe. You are scum. You are below me. You will always be number two. And at the season finale, for you taking her away from me, from you taking my peace, my calm that I've been looking for, for my whole life, I will bury you. And right before the daylight dies out of your eyes, Icarus, you're going to see me laughing and smiling. But now when I get done with you, I'm looking at you, Hollow Wicked. There's nothing personal with you. There's nothing deep with you like there is with Icarus. But you hold her. You hold my wife. You hold my love. So I'm going to bust your gut open. And I'm going to watch you die at the season finale. And then she will finally come back to me. And days before I turned 34 years old, 14 years in this great sport, I will have my purpose again, and I will have my life one more time. This is deeper than anything in the world, anything in wrestling. This is life. This is purpose. This is everything. Everything. How good is that motherfucking promo, man? How, yo, there is not a lot better than that. There's just not. I mean, come on, man. That is how you sell a fucking show. I don't give a fuck what show it is, where it is, who it's for. That's how you sell a show. I mean, that shit, yo, that that is the craziest shit, man, right there. That should be what everybody out there who grabs a fucking mic strives for. That type of passion, that type of storytelling, that type of investment in their fucking craft. You know, um, Kingston even said a while ago, and I'm sure, you know, he's not the first to say it, but um, he said, you know, you are the product that you put out there. So if you don't put out the best product, why why would anybody buy it? Why would you be upset that, that nobody bought it? You know, you... I mean, if you don't go and you don't train yourself in the gym, you don't go and you don't invest into your promos, you don't go in and put out the best product you can, then then you can't be upset about people not booking you, people not, you know, fans not being happy with what's going on or whatever the case is, and, and you're not making what you can out of your career in the business because 
it, it's really on you to make the best out of the product that you're putting out there. You are the product. So, you know, and, and it's true, you know. Uh, another thing he, he said, and, again, he's not the first or the last to say it, and, you know, you always got to look back to that. DJ Hyde, fuck you. You know, because, I mean, it's just it's just one of those things. Um, so, look, CZW's card, uh, Cage of Death. Here we go. This is, um, again, Sammy Callahan returning to, to CZW, which I already explained, you know, what I think should happen and what's, you know, lying to happen or whatever else. Greg Exlin versus Tony Nese. Big smiling Greg Exlin on the website versus Tony Nese. Um, this could be good. You know, Greg can go. I've always said that. That's why I hated the um, the Dick Justice thing so much because I really felt like it downgraded Greg to a guy who couldn't go, and it just went so far into the comedy realm that I felt like it, it diminished what he can actually do in the ring. Now, you know, I mean, maybe I'm being picky. Maybe I'm being, you know, petty as far as the way one match is portrayed or whatever, but I just know Greg can do a lot more physically in the ring and compete, and I I prefer to see that out of Greg. So um, I do believe we're going to see that across the ring from Tony Neese. So um, there's that. Um, They got the amazing Gulaks versus the Beaver Boys. And um, I personally wish this was a four-way for the the tag titles rather than um, just Team Tremendous versus TV Ready. I I think if they put Team Tremendous, TV Ready, the amazing Gulaks and the Beaver Boys all, you know, in a big tag match, I think it could be a lot more fun as far as Cage of Death goes and a lot more, you know, action-packed and quick. You know, I don't know. That That's just, again, my personal preference. Um, both of these matches have the potential to be really good, all talented dudes. Um, so I'm looking forward to, you know, both tag matches. Um, Danny Havoc versus Ricky Shane Page. I mean, it, um, you know, I hope for the best in this one. I really do. It's about time they brought Ricky Shane Page back. He got a please-come-back chance. At um, Tournament of Death, him and Danny had the best match of Tournament of Death. Um, you, to a certain extent, you're painting yourself into a corner here because you're looking to outdo or live up to a certain standard of a match that he already put on, you know, in Tournament of Death. You're limited in the, the flyer escape zone, obviously, without the light tubes and all of that stuff. Um, but, uh, you know, it, it's good to see Ricky Shane Page back. Uh, Danny Havoc's one of the best deathmatch wrestlers in, in the business. And um, these, these guys have, you know, definitely the potential to absolutely kill it out there because, you know, they did it once a tournament of death, um, and they could definitely do it again. Looking forward to this match, um, and I really, really hope that they continue to book Ricky Shane Page after this, that it's not another standout performance and then going forward to when when is he going to be booked again? Who, who fucking knows? I mean, when – you book a guy, I would think your goal is to get them over with the fans and have the fans like the guy that you're booking. And when the fans are all about the guy that you're fucking booking to the point of chanting, please come back, and then you don't bring him back for half of a year, then, you know, again, if you can't point to these things as some of the disappointments that CZW fans have, you're presenting something to the fans, and when they go, we like that, you go, fuck you, we're not giving that to you anymore. And then you force different things like DJ Hyde versus Matt Tremont down people's throats, which, you know, if you, you see, still see screenshots, 
of DJ High versus Matt Tremont at the Flyer Skate Zone, and you could see half of the crowd sitting there like they're taking a shit. Like, that's the that's the look they have on their face. Not like, oh, my God, I'm fucking amazed. A bunch of people standing on their feet fucking, you know, marking out for how crazy this fucking match is. It's a bunch of people looking like they're taking a shit or reading a fucking newspaper in the morning or both. Yeah, you know I mean, or, or sitting on the bus. That's that's what these motherfuckers look like. They got like a half hour bus ride, and they're sitting on the fucking thing. That's what DJ Hyde matches are like a fucking bus ride. That's it. Yeah, you know I mean, you just gotta fucking sit there until it's over, and then you can go fucking do whatever you was gonna do next. You know, maybe watch an entertaining match or some other shit. He's the fucking bus rider wrestling. Fuck out of here. Um, so. This is this is what you get instead of the guys that fans are fucking chanting, please come back, please come back. And DJ's like, oh, I, don't know, I don't know, maybe, you know. And and it's funny, too, because I actually, um, um, I saw DJ and, uh, you know, those guys were you know, had their old table at uh, the Jersey All-Pro show. And, uh, you know, my, my friend said, hey, Ricky Shane Page, you know, when are you going to come back to CZW? And, and uh said to DJ, like, why don't you book him? And he turns to Ricky Shane Page as if he has no idea that this is even, like, a thing. And he's like, because you see, they want you back. And it's like, get the fuck out. You know, goddamn well when they're standing in your crowd screaming, please come back, that that's what they fucking wanted. And then he turned around and played dumb fucking six months later, like, oh, you hear that? Like, get the fuck out of here. I mean, you can play stupid all you want, but you cost yourself money. You know what I mean? If the fans aren't fucking happy, it's on you. So, I don't know. It just fucking irritates me. Um, Joe Gacy versus Tim Downs. I said before, I'm, I'm not a Tim Downs fan. I, I just don't know, man. I mean, if I haven't been happy with anything um, Downs has done outside of the Downs-Janella match. I like that match a lot. Um, Janella fucking bumped like an animal and, and um, really made Dons look like a killer in that match. Um, Embers Gacy, I don't know, man. I like Gacy, but, I, you know, I've seen these guys wrestle each other before, and it, it did zero for me. So this is a last man standing match or, or I quit match. It's an I quit match. So I'm hoping they quit this feud following this match because I've had enough of that. Um, next up is the um, Joey Janela versus Leo Rush rematch for the wired title um the bullshit title um should be the junior heavyweight title um but this this was a great fucking match probably the best match of the show from um last month so i mean i expect nothing nothing but top-notch shit out of these two um two dudes who are absolutely the future and, uh, you know, the present, I almost just hate saying the word future. I did this shit earlier with uh, EYFBO, and um, when you see these guys, you know, tearing it up like that, it, it's really depressing because you want to see these guys wrestle all the other top guys in the business right now. So it, it, it's really depressing. They'll be around for quite some time, so you get that future element in there or whatever you want to call it. But um, Leo Rush and Joey Janela are just tremendous athletes, and um, – they're just going to go in there and kill it at Cage of Death. Um, like I said, uh, TV Ready and uh, Team Tremendous is the other tag match I'm looking forward to. Um, again, it, it could be a four-way. I think I'd like that better, but it is what it is. Again, these guys are uh, they're going to tear it up. And then you got um, the main event, which is Matt Tremont, Masada, AR Fox, and Devin Moore, and um, 
hey, man, what can you say? Devin Moore is the fucking um, jack-of-all-trades. He's a guy who can wrestle any type of match, any type of style. Um, you know, he's star-pressed off of the heights of, you know, tangled webs and scaffolds here and there and king of the death, cage of death, tournament of death. I mean, you put him in anything, especially if it has death in it, Dev is fucking down, man. And and that dude, um, like I said, he, he always shows up for this type of shit. Um, A.R. Fox is just, he's, he's one of the most uh, just suicidal high flyers, you know, I guess I'd call it. Um, I mean, he really has no regard for his own body when it comes to high flying and just risk taking. And the dude is, he's, um, he's a top notch entertainer. The dude really knows how to go out there, put his body on the line and just give everything to the fans as far as, um, you know, just, just leaving it all out there and, um, you know, giving people the show. Uh, Masada, one of the best deathmatch wrestlers in the world. Now, I mentioned Danny Havoc earlier. I mean, when you're talking about the best deathmatch wrestlers in the world, as far as America goes, you're talking about a handful of guys. And a Danny Havoc, a Masada, a Matt Tremont, those are those type of guys. And obviously you have Matt Tremont, who is, you know, the CZW world champion, best promo guy in CZW, and, you know, overall just he puts CZW on his fucking back. When it came down to CZW's identity being anything remotely close to what it used to be, the guy that put it on his fucking back when Gage was in prison, when everybody else went away, people got contracts, people were looking for a face, it was Matt Tremont. I mean, the stupidest fucking thing they did was try to turn him fucking heel amongst everybody else walking out the door. They fucking, that shit didn't last long at all because the the crowd still popped for him. No matter what he went out there and did, no matter what he said to those people, it didn't matter because when it came right down to it, Matt Tremont was still Matt Tremont, and that was that was the fans' guy. And I mean, that was the guy that, that the fans were all about because he has that emotion. He has that passion for CZW and the way that CZW once was. So um, Matt Tremont is always going to give you 100%, and, um, you know, he's always going to have that um, – that old school CZW mentality of knowing, you know, the limits that it's going to take and, and the extremes to push. Cause you know, he was one of those fans in the Zandig era and all of that, you know, when CZW was CZW. Um, now it's, uh, like everything else with a little bit of ultra violence. Um, but, uh, yeah, so they got that, they got the, um, the dojo wars thing. It's like two, two PM. They got like a meet and greet at 1 PM. I don't know, man. They want motherfuckers out there at the skate zone for, like, 13 hours or some crazy shit like this. I ain't fucking with you, you know what I mean? Um, I got kids and all that. I'll be there at 8 o'clock when the fucking night show starts, and um, I'm looking forward to it, man. It's going to be a great night out. I love Cage of Death. Um, so so I'm excited for that. So definitely go, um, you know, check that out on iPay-Per-View if you don't get to see it live. Uh, if you're going live, whatever, you know, holla at me, man. Say hi or some shit, all right? Um, I think that's about all I got. Um, you know, um, real quick, the NFL, um, man, I like the way Blaine Gabbard's looking out there. I'll tell you straight up, man, I was a cap guy and all that. Um, but, listen, this this kid, he is looking fucking awesome out there. He's really um, – no, Beckham. He's, um, he, he's playing great fucking football, man. He's making things happen with his legs. Everyone wanted to talk about how fast cap was and this and this. And, you know, Blaine Gabbard broke off the longest fucking – rushing play 
from our team this season. Ran for a fucking touchdown. You know what I mean? Just just fucking broke it off. No problem. Made fucking moves. Bombed in the fucking in the uh, overtime. Bombed the fucking pass down the field. Hit Torrey Smith. The the thing and Cap hit Torrey once, I believe, this season for a long ball. But what Torrey Smith's expected value was was the long ball. The guy that's going to burn somebody downfield and is going to be opens down there somewhere. He's going to take advantage of of you know uh, miscoverage and shit. And that's what he did. They completely blew coverage. Torrey Smith blew it open, and fucking Blaine Gabbert hit him right on the fucking numbers, and bam, fucking won the game. That's Blaine Gabbert has been able to do this type of shit for the 49ers right now. The team's behind him. He's fired up. He's actually younger than Cap. So when it comes down to it, we're not talking about a lot of um, downside on what Gabbert's doing. And, you know, Gabbert was a guy that people wanted to count out of the league. Why? Because he sucked in Jacksonville. Jacksonville sucked. So, I mean, what what does that mean? If you don't get a surrounding team around you and then, uh, you know, I mean, he had a couple, you know, learning years or whatever. But I don't know, man. Right now I'm thinking Gabbert's our guy. In the draft we need to do a bunch of other big things, but I don't think quarterback's one of them. You know, let Cap, you know, fight for the job. Let him do some competition, whatever. Um, You know, if you could restructure his contract and maybe sit Cap fucking second string. I don't know. Maybe he's going to go get a starting job somewhere else. I'm not really sure. But um, even Joe Montana co-signed it and said, um, you know, the 49ers should not let Blaine Gabbert get away. Like, don't, you know, sleep on this guy and then just, you know, give the job to Cap or somebody else. You know, definitely put this guy in the mix for possible starter next year. This this guy's the, the truth. And, yeah, I think he'll show that for the rest of the season. We got a bunch of big games um, coming up. We got Cleveland next. So uh, th- this should be um, a game we're easily competitive at. And following that, man, we got the Bengals, which is one of the best teams in the fucking league. And, um, you know, I'm uh, just looking forward to seeing what else goes on, obviously. We're out of playoff contention. That, that's no problem, man. I, know, I already knew that shit. Um, and then it, it's all looking forward to next year. So um, that's that. The Eagles beat the fucking uh, the Pats. The Pats are so banged up, man, it's ridiculous. Uh, Tom Brady has just been picking the next receiver and throwing to him. He's got Gronk out. He's got um, Edelman out. He had Amendola out. I mean, you just go down the list of wide receivers, the motherfuckers might as well just start making reservations in the hospital because – the next guy up gets hurt. He just throws to the next guy, the next guy. And he's been a beast to keep the fucking winning streak going, but eventually the bottom had to fall out a little bit. Um, and, and that's what happened, man. Uh, a couple big, big plays out of the Eagles. They they returned. Uh, I think they returned a pick or fucking something and, and then uh, blocked a kick. And I mean, they, they did make some really big plays to really get themselves out ahead. They still only wound up beating the Pats by a touchdown because, um, man, the Pats, you know, they have that fucking never-say-die attitude, and they're able to put up some fucking late-game points. But um, they're going to bounce back, and the Eagles are going to fall off. So, I mean, don't don't get that fucked up and think, oh, watch out for the Eagles, man. Watch out for shit, man. They're fucking garbage. The NFC East is fucking garbage. And the Pats are just fucking refueling, getting healthy, and they are the most dangerous team in fucking football right now. So um, I'm still, like I said, I'm still rooting for the Bengals in the AFC and the Panthers who are still undefeated 
in the NFC. I hope they go completely undefeated. And fuck, man, I hope the Panthers and the fucking Bengals wind up in the Super Bowl together. And I think it'll be a tremendously entertaining Super Bowl. You get a bunch of fans that are super hyped that their team is finally up in there. And, um, you know, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I would like that quite a bit. Some new faces in there, not the fucking Pats again, not the fucking She-Hawks in there again. Fuck the motherfuckers. They're, they're out of there, man. If they make it to the playoffs, they're getting fucking dropped first round. Uh, I, I'm willing to make a bet on that shit. Uh, so, so fuck them. But then again, you know, they could wind up against the NFC East team. Wild card up against the NFC East team. And again, the NFC East is garbage. You wind up with the fucking Seahawks in the second round just by default there. But that means they wind up usually lined up with the first first round by teams and that's when they're getting fucking squashed. So it's what it is. Um, you know, even though my team isn't in it, I'm looking forward to playoff football. It's uh right around the corner. And um yeah, so that that that's pretty much that. I don't know uh what else to talk about. I think I'm pretty much good. Um so yeah, like I said, Z K to death. Um if you want I will have um out in the car we'll have the uh I'm a John Zander guy T shirts. So uh, get yours, man. I'm not fucking lugging these joints to every show. So this is, you know, the opportunity to get them for 20 bucks. Beyond that, for the most part, I'm keeping them at home, and I'm willing to ship them out, you know, but it's going to cost you 25 you know, for $5 for shipping or whatever. But it is what it is. Like I said, I'm not a pushy dude. I'm not going to be fucking running around asking people if they want a fucking shirt at the show. You're not going to hear that out of me. Um, so... You want one? Come hit me up. Is what it is. All right. Um, let me find my fucking outro. Yeah, you know, like I especially label this shit, and it's always still ridiculously hard to find every week. So, all right, here it is. Um, check out um, the Sports Den. Uh, I believe they're on tonight, talking about all sorts of shit. Um, check out uh, Andrew Carluck. Doing, uh, he doesn't do Stern Nation right now for quite some time. Um, but, um, you know, he does all sorts of things. He's got a show called General Jackassery and uh, all sorts of shit. So check them out. And, uh, yeah, I think that's all I got for now. So talk to you guys next week. Uh, the CDW Review, Cage of Death Review. Um, who knows if I have a guest or not. Not really sure I haven't planned anything yet. But, uh, yeah, talk to you guys later, Bruce. What a bunch of fucking assholes. You know why? You don't have the guts to be what you want to be. You need people like me. You need people like me so you can point your fucking fingers and say, that's the bad guy. So... What I make you good? You're not good. You just know how to hide. How to lie. Me, I don't have that problem. Me, I always tell a truth. Even when I lie.
Well, say good night to the bad guy. I'm gonna tell you something straight off the motherfucking press. I ain't coming for no food. What the fucking fuck? Fuck this fucker. This shit is wasting my time. DJ Hyde, fuck you. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.